So we are six weeks into a series titled, Who is God? And I've decided that our theme verse is Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. You've heard this before. Thus says the Lord, let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, boasts in this, that he understands and knows me. There's nothing more important in life than knowing God. And uh, I love the two words here, that he understands and knows me. Understand is the cognitive, right? We've got to understand who God really is so that we may know him, have a relationship with him. And so that's why we are doing this series. Left to ourselves, we would never come up with an accurate uh, understanding of God. And so, but praise the Lord, he has revealed himself to us in his word and ultimately in the face of his son, Jesus Christ. And so we're trying to grow in our understanding of who God is so that our relationship with him will deepen. Just like with any person, the better that we understand the real person, uh, the deeper our relationship. So it is with God. And so we're going to his word during this series to, to examine what God has revealed to us about who he is. J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, gives us a test for evaluating how much we know the true God. And he bases this test on the book of Daniel. And he said, if you look at Daniel's life, Daniel was a guy who had a deep relationship with the true God. And he revealed a uh, energy for God, high thoughts of God, boldness for God, and contentment in God. And so uh, he takes us, J.I. Packer takes us on a little uh, self-test. And I want us to uh, start off with a self-test here. Uh, and so this is just between you and the Lord. And I think these are great questions to ask ourselves to, uh, to determine how, how, what is our relationship with God really like. So number one, on a scale of one to ten, one being low energy for God, 10 being, you know, high energy for God. Where do you fall? Is your energy for God low, high? Packer says, you look at Daniel's life, uh, people who, who have a, a, a vibrant relationship with the true God have high energy for God. What about your thoughts of God? Are they low thoughts or are they high thoughts? Where do you fall on this continuum? What about your boldness for God? Are you uh, actively telling other people about him, sharing your personal story? Are you uh, witnessing or are you timid? And finally, your contentment in God. Do you have low contentment in God, high contentment in God? Do you, are you... Uh, are you happy with the way he is running your life? Or a bit frustrated with him? I think this is a great, a, a, a great, uh, great questions to ask ourselves. And hopefully, as we go through the series, hopefully our, uh, our energy for God, our thoughts of God, our boldness and our contentment in God will all be increasing as we grow in our understanding of him which then drives our relationship with him, right? That's the goal. 
All right, so our topic today, uh, we've been taking attributes of God each week and um, just drilling down on them. So today's attribute of God is God's independence. God's independence. My daughter Morgan, my eldest, uh, I, I really wanted to build a sense of independence in her when she was just a little toddler. Uh, and so what I would do is I would hang back from Morgan when we would go on nature walks or be in the store, and I would, it really drove Sabrina crazy. Her level of comfort was not quite mine or, yeah. So I would sometimes let, let Morgan, you know, get around the corner in our nature walks out of sight. Or when we were in a store, I'd be hiding behind some rack of clothes, peering through the clothes. And I'm keeping an eye on her, but I, I want her to feel like she's totally free, right? And, and, and independent and on her own. But of course she never was. She always needed me and I was always close by. So, you know, as, as humans, we, we are dependent creatures. So we're talking about a, a, an aspect of who God is that we don't share, nor do we have any experience with. And we just got to acknowledge that. God is wholly other. And so we as creatures, we depend, we have to have food, we have to have you know, water, we have to have shelter, we have to have air, we need other people. We're just dependent. And that's our whole, we just, that's the way we understand. Every creature... Every created thing is dependent. Ultimately, we're dependent on God. In him we live and move and have our being. So when we talk about God's independence, we gotta, we're talking about something we have never experienced. It's something totally other. Let me give you uh, Wayne Grudem's definition of God's independence in his systematic theology. Here's what it means that God is independent. It means this. God does not need us or the rest of creation for anything. Yet we and the rest of creation can glorify him and bring him joy. So God's independence means uh, he doesn't need us or anything in all of creation. He is independent, self-existing. God is complete apart from his creation. And this is taught all over Scripture. So let's go to some of these. In John chapter 5, verse 26, Jesus says this, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son also to have life in himself. The Father has life in himself. That's an unbelievable statement. God self-exists. In fact, all life is in God and flows out. From God, that in him we live and move and have our being. He is the origin of life. God, God needs not, he, is, he doesn't need anyone or anything else to, to keep him alive. He has life in himself. In Acts chapter 17, verses 24 and 25, we read, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life and breath and everything. Did you realize that God does not need your service? 
He is not served by human hands as though he needed anything. What? God doesn't need me to serve him? Psalms chapter 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. God was God before anything was created. Pre-creation, he existed. Exodus chapter 3, verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. And he said, say this to the people of Israel, I am has sent me to you. He is the I am. He has always existed. Psalm chapter 50, verse 12. If I were hungry, I would not tell you, for the world and its fullness are mine. That's a bit humbling, isn't it? God says, if I, if I had need of anything, I wouldn't go to you with my need. I own everything. I would take care of myself. Job chapter 41, 11. Who has first given to me that I should repay him? Whatever is under the whole heaven is mine. See, just God does not need anything from us. John 17, 5. And now, Father, Jesus is praying, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Prior to anything being created, God had glory, which means God doesn't need our worship. He doesn't need us to serve him. He does not need us to worship him. He has glory apart from us. A.W. Tozer, in his book, Knowledge of the Holy, I like the way he puts this, were every man on earth to become an atheist, it could not affect God in any way. He is what he is in himself without regard to any other. To believe in him adds nothing to his perfections, and to doubt him takes nothing away. And in John 17, 24, Jesus prays, Father, I desire that they also whom you have given me may be with me where I am to see my glory that you've given me because you loved me before the foundation of the world. God doesn't need us to serve him. God doesn't need us to worship him. God doesn't even need us to love him. You hear, you hear that? The love that I had before the foundation of the world So the independence of God is a doctrine that humbles man, isn't it? Ah, and it also can, can throw us. Well, then, then how do we relate to a God who doesn't need anything from us? Th that's the way we're, related, we're used to relating to people, right? You need what I offer, I need what you offer, and we enter into a, a, an exchange, a relationship of exchange, and and mutual benefit. And that's the way we relate to people. And yet, here we have a God who needs absolutely nothing from us. How in the world do we relate to him? Well, here's one thing that flows out of the independence of God. You cannot bargain with a God who needs nothing from you. 
We can't bargain with God. And yet, that's, that's the way most people on the planet try to relate to God, right? They try to bargain with him. God, if you will just help my business succeed, help me hit my, my, uh, my goals, then I'll tithe. God, if you will help my marriage, if you will just uh, help my marriage thrive, we'll go to church. If you get me out of this scrape, I'm going to serve you. Just, just get me home alive. I'm going to go serve you. All of that is based on a faulty understanding of who God is. It assumes that God is up in heaven saying, Oh, yes, please, I need you to serve me. Oh, I need you to worship me. I need you in church. I, I, I need you to love me. And if you'll just give me what I need, yes, then I'll give you back what you desire. And that's not true. We cannot bargain with God because we offer him nothing that he needs. You know, this idea of I will give God what he needs and he'll give me back what I want, that is at the heart of idolatry, which, as you know, uh, God rails against in the Old Testament. That's what idolatry was. I give to the God or the goddess what they need, whether it's food or glory because I build them a big temple, uh, or I sing their praises, and then they the god or goddess reciprocates by giving me fertility and good crops and power and uh, protection. And that makes sense to the human heart because that's the way we relate to everybody else. But God needs nothing from us, so we can't bargain with him. That's not the way we are to relate to God. As it relates to a God who is totally independent, we have no power. And that's scary, isn't it? That is offensive to the sinful heart. I want power in relationships. I want to be able to withhold and punish so that I can give and get. But that does not work with God. We have no power. And if you're going to have a relationship with God, you've got to understand and accept, I have no power in the relationship. He needs nothing from me. So where does that leave us? It leaves us 100% dependent upon the mercy of God. And so as Christians, the, the starting place of our relationship with God is not what we offer. It's God's own goodness and grace and mercy and compassion. It's the fact that God chooses out of his one position of total power, he chooses to be merciful to us. Apostle Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 9, verse 14. Or I'll do 15, 16. For he, said, for he says to Moses, I will have mercy on whom I have mercy and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. So then it does not depend on human will or exertion, but on God who has mercy. So he's, see what he's spiking? We don't do anything to trigger God's mercy in our life. He, just, he is merciful and compassion out of his own generous heart because he wants to be to whomever he wants to be. And we have no control over that. We are 100% dependent upon God. And that is a scary thing 
if you have not yet tasted that God is good. If you don't recognize in the death of his son Jesus Christ upon the cross, his heart toward us, a good heart, a giving heart, a heart of compassion and mercy. So God doesn't need anything from us. Yet, and here's the thing that is just so staggering. Yet this God who needs nothing from us chooses to bind himself to us in his son Jesus Christ. And this is just absolutely mind-blowing. He doesn't need anything from us, and yet he chooses to obligate himself to us. To enter into a relationship with us where he calls us children. He says, you can talk to, I'm your, I'm your father. In Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 8, God is talking to Israel. He said, when I passed by you again and saw you, behold, you were at the age for love, and I spread the corner of my garment over you and covered your nakedness. I made my vow to you and entered into a covenant with you, declares the Lord God, and you became mine. God didn't need Israel. He didn't need need Israel to serve him. He didn't need Israel to worship him. He didn't need Israel to love him. And yet he chooses to bind himself to Israel, to enter into a covenant. A covenant is a, a, a relationship of obligation. He makes Israel mine. And you and I are inheritors of that, right? Because of our faith in Jesus Christ, the Messiah. We've been grafted in. God has entered into a covenant relationship with us Christians. He binds himself to us. Not because he needs anything from us, but because of his his good heart toward us. Mark chapter 16, 15, Jesus said, Go into all the world, proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. God doesn't have to win the world through us. He doesn't need us. He could get the gospel out on his own, and yet he chooses to work through us so that we can share in the greatest mission on the planet. He gives us the great privilege and the great joy of sharing the gospel with other people and seeing their lives transformed. I love it. I, I, love, I love this great privilege and great responsibility that, he, that he's given to the church. What a generous heart. He didn't need to. In Luke chapter 6, verse 35, we read this. But love your enemies and do good and lend, expecting nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High, for He is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. God doesn't need any, us to serve Him doesn't need anything from us, and yet he, he even enters into uh, rewards. He even promises rewards for us. You know what? Uh, if you will love other people on my behalf, I'm going to just reward you. Not because he is trying to um, negotiate with us, but just because he wants to, to bless us out of his kindness. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. The Lord your God is in your midst, a mighty one who will save. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will quiet you by his love. He will exalt over you with loud singing. 
I don't get this. God who needs nothing from us, yet rejoices in us, exalts over us with singing. He, he chooses to involve himself emotionally and to get excited about us. Sum it all up. Here's what I think. The independence of God magnifies his goodness toward us. Are you feeling that? When somebody who needs nothing from you chooses to be good to you, that's different than they need what I have. I'll give them what they need and they'll give me back what I want. The independence of God magnifies his goodness toward us. Here's the final verse. I just want to sit on this a little bit. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That word grace there can either mean um, divine empowerment or uh, undeserved love. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, by his poverty, might become rich. Though he was rich, he was complete in himself before creation, before we ever came into existence. He lacked nothing. He needed nothing. And yet he chose to leave heaven and come to earth and, and with eyes wide open go to the cross and bleed and suffer and die so that you and I might have our sins forgiven and have a relationship with God that would last forever. 